Welcome to the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast, episode number 40. My name is Christopher Luft. I'm one of the co-founders at Lima Charlie, and I will be your host. On today's episode, I'm going to be going over some of the cutting-edge intel being pushed forward by the folks on Lima Charlie's community Intel Slack channel. Another week, another set of bad actors, exploits, and vulnerabilities. During this episode of the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast, we will be talking through the latest intel being shared by the community in Lima Charlie's Intel Slack channel. Matt Bromley, who is usually here for these discussions, is currently in Montreal at FirstCon hosting a workshop titled Knocking Out Post-Exploitation Kits, designed to demonstrate some techniques for detecting popular exploit kits like Cobalt Strike, Nighthawk, Brute Retail, and Silver. We love to see Matt out there sharing his knowledge with the community and are really glad that he's on our side. In Matt's absence, I've decided to keep this segment going solo. It will probably be a little less engaging, but we'll get the information out there. Kicking things off this week is the Black Cat ransomware as reported by the IBM Security X-Force team. The Black Cat ransomware, also known as ALF-V, has recently been used by its ransomware affiliates to target organizations in the healthcare, government, manufacturing, and hospitality sectors. And in a bunch of those attacks, the threat actors went and published sensitive info such as medical and financial information. The researchers noticed some changes geared towards improving their tradecraft and increasing the likelihood of data theft and encryption. The attackers managed to automate data exfiltration using a custom malware called Xmatter, capable of melting or self-deletion. In addition, they also released a new version of the ransomware dubbed Sphinx, which has a bunch of mechanisms for evading detection and analysis. I think it's safe to say that both the melting and evasion characteristics of these attacks are designed to make it harder for researchers to understand their methods and build defenses. The group has shown itself to be highly knowledgeable when it comes to Active Directory and go after group policy objects or GPOs to deploy tools and interfere with security measures. Part of their techniques include increasing the GPO refresh times, which might be a good place to drop in some detection logic. Another change they made to evade detection was to update some of the parameters used in order to execute. The article I'm pulling this from, which is linked in the show notes, goes into lots of technical details about the various techniques and stages used in these attacks. If you go check it out, I'm sure you will find lots of inspiration for building defenses. This next one is from Bitdefender. It's an interesting one, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Initially, I thought it was a reap what you sow kind of situation, but the more I think about it, the more I realize it could also help cybercriminals. Apparently, there is a new hacking forum called Exposed that has publicly leaked a substantial database for the infamous Raid Forums. For those that may not be familiar, Raid Forums, which was one of the most prolific and easily accessible hacker forums on the public-facing internet from 2015 to 2022 when it was shut down by an FBI raid. The Exposed leak is an extensive SQL file which according to Bleeping Computer contains the data of 478,870 forum members, including usernames, hash passwords, email addresses, and sign-up date for users who signed up between March 20th, 2015 and September 24th, 2020. The article states, and I quote, This disclosure will bring unprecedented insights into the members of the hacker community for both the cybercriminals and security researchers. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's definitely an interesting list of email addresses that can be linked back to the activity of the individual accounts. Whether those email addresses can be used to identify these individuals in the real world is a matter of each actor's operational hygiene. 
I'm willing to bet the majority of the emails can be identified to some extent, but suspect the big fish would have had good practices when it comes to these kinds of exposures. So there you have it. I'd love to hear what any of you think about this one. I was not able to get too many details on this one, but it seems like something you would want to know about if it impacted your organization. Identified as CVE-2023-34362, it is a critical vulnerability in the MoveIt Transfer software. That's a company name, MoveIt Transfer. The vulnerability could lead to escalated privileges and potentially unauthorized access to the given environment. For those unfamiliar, MoveIt Transfer is a leading secure managed file transfer application. They promise management control over your business critical file transfers, consolidating them all into one system. Definitely something you want locked up tight. They provide encryption, security, tamper-evident locking, activity tracking, and centralized access controls to meet operational requirements. Part of the value prop here is compliance with PCI, HIPAA, CCPA, CPRA, and GDPR. The vulnerability report lists a bunch of remediation measures and is linked in the show notes. Our friends over at Checkpoint Research have noticed a surge in activity targeting European foreign affairs entities linked to Southeast and East Asia. I wonder who this could be. They are tracking these threat actors as Camaro Dragon and they are associated with a broad network of espionage operations aligned with Chinese interests. As is the case with threat actors like this, they have a lot of fancy tricks. Along with some known methods, Checkpoint researchers uncovered a malicious RP link router firmware containing a custom implant named Horseshell, which allows the threat actors to maintain persistent access and build anonymous infrastructure using compromised routers. Along with that, a previously unknown Go-based backdoor called TinyNote was found on one of the Camaro Dragon's distribution servers, in addition to being spotted in the wild. The backdoor performs a bypass of the Indonesian antivirus SMAD-AV, a security tool popular in Southeast Asian countries, such as Myanmar and Indonesia, and apparently used by a subset of the campaign's targets. The TinyNote backdoor is a first-stage malware only capable of basic machine enumeration and command execution via PowerShell or GoRoutines. However, it focuses on redundancy to gain a foothold on the infected machine including setting up multiple persistency tasks, communicating with several different C2 servers, and different types of C2 command execution. And again, I'm pulling all of this from a really great article that will be linked in the show notes. They provide some of the C2 IP addresses and have lots of insight that can be used to create detections and construct a defense. I've said it a couple times recently on the podcast that it feels like threat actors are ramping up their activity against Apple devices. It is still a far cry from the number of exploits we see in Microsoft's OSs, but it definitely feels like a trend. I think it is probably safe to say that high-value targets are more likely to use Apple products, which makes them enticing for advanced threat actors. To my point, Kaspersky is reporting on some unknown malware targeting iOS devices that they discovered in the traffic of their own corporate network. Upon investigating, they noticed suspicious activity originating from several iOS-based phones. In order to investigate, they had to clone the phones and then run the images through some fancy analysis software called MVT-IOS. What they found is pretty wild. The target iOS device receives a message via the iMessage service with an attachment containing an exploit. Without any user interaction, the message triggers a vulnerability that leads to code execution. The code within the exploit downloads several subsequent stages from the C2 server that include additional exploits for privilege escalation. 
After successful exploitation, a final payload is downloaded from the C2 server that is a full-featured APT platform. The initial message and the exploit in the attachment is then deleted. The one bit of good news here is that the toolset does not support persistence, most likely due to the design of the OS. They've also determined that this malware has been active since at least 2019, and the latest OS successfully targeted is iOS 15.7. I think iOS is 16.5 at this point, so if you're all patched up and up to date, you should be good to go. More details can be found in the article linked in the show notes. The Hacker News is reporting a surge in TrueBot activity that was observed starting in May 2023. TrueBot is a downloader Trojan botnet that uses command and control servers to collect information on compromised systems and uses that compromised system as a launching point for further attacks. Active since at least 2017, TrueBot is linked to a group known as Silence that's believed to share overlaps with a notorious Russian cybercrime actor known as Evil Corp. The attack chain is documented by VMware starts off with a drive-by download of an executable named update.exe from Google Chrome, suggesting that users are lured into downloading the malware under the pretext of a software update. Once run, update.exe establishes connections with a known TrueBot IP address located in Russia to retrieve a second-stage executable that subsequently launched using Windows Command Prompt. It is a particularly nasty infection for any network that can escalate very quickly. There are a few good IOCs detailed in the article, definitely worth checking out. The final one for today, Uptix is reporting on a threat group behind the Cyclops, Ransomware, and Stealer combo. This new combo is able to infect all three major platforms, Windows, Linux, Mac, and provides a separate binary specifically geared towards stealing sensitive data. This is another example of threat actors combining ransomware with extortion to increase the likelihood of victims paying out. This group is operating as a ransomware as a service provider and promotes its offerings on forums where it requests a share of profits from those engaging in malicious activities using its malware. This organization operates like any SaaS. They're able to fix bugs in real time and offer bounties for valuable suggestions. It has a slick-looking UI, and the linked article has lots of details you can look at to get a better understanding of how it works and ultimately build a stronger security posture. And that's going to bring us to the end of the show. This, the first solo Intel chat. I definitely missed having Matt here, but I'm happy we got it out. Take care, everybody. And that concludes episode number 40 of the Cybersecurity Defenders podcast. If you have any feedback or ideas for future shows, please send an email to defenders at limacharlie.io. You can access the intel we talk about on the show in real time and join the conversation on the Lima Charlie community Slack channel at slack.limacharlie.io. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with someone or leaving a rating or a review. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening from. Thanks for listening in. We'll see you on the next episode.